Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. We're back with another episode of Ultimate Teammates on First and Fifteen. And today we are joined by the legend, I will use legend, I don't mind, that is Joe Cottrell. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you? Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful time to be involved in sports podcasting that, you know, there's no sports to actually podcast about at the moment. <laughs> so we're still going to keep digging through people's history and finding out what we can. So ultimate teammates, anyone you've played with or coached. So we're going to start off on offense. Who's your quarterback? Um, I've played with quite a, quite a, I'd say a selection of quarterbacks. Um, and probably some of Britain's more well-known sort of callbacks. Um, and it definitely deserves some sort of quick honourable mentions. Like I played with Calvin, who sort of pioneered flag early days. Um, played with Tarek Khan, uh, who's the expats QB, who's a phenomenal, great person to be around. But as you'll quickly learn uh, through my ultimate team, a lot of this um, comes from sort of off the field too. I think a big part of playing flag is being off the field. Um, if you go to international tournaments and so forth, it does become sort of so little time on the field that actually the people off the field can sometimes be more important to the experience. And so for that reason, um, I'm going to pick the biggest football nerd. I think I know it is Vincenzo Macchi or Vince, as everyone knows him. Um, he might be back in the States currently, um, but he still keeps in touch. He's still heavily involved with sort of everything uh, GB. Um, it's just just an absolute oracle of knowledge in terms of football. Um, kind of digest absolutely anything you throw at him. Always happy to discuss any sort of plays individually. Um, he's just a very different person. Um when it comes to the mental side of football, which I think playing quarterback is sort of a large part of the game, if not more than uh, the physical side. Um, yeah, it is a re- it's a really, really tough one, but I'm going to go with him. As much as he can be a doofus off the field, uh, he's our doofus, so that's my QB. I mean, I think most people have, when they've been picking out their teams, it's a case of, it's 50% talent, but 50% personality as well. You've got to have that mix of like, you know, as we said before, if you're going to spend like a whole day with them or like car journeys and things like that to go to tournaments, or if you're playing the international ones, yeah, you've got to spend a lot of time with them. They could be the best player in the world, but if if you can't spend like five minutes with them off the pitch, then it's not really going to work for you guys. No, and uh, we, I've been on a couple of trips with Vince now, and um, he's just, he's just fine to be around. Never a problem. Always outgoing, willing to do things, um, and and ultimately he's a fantastic player. Um, there's a good reason he's the GBQB. Um, he's definitely brought a lot of people on in terms of development, um, and ultimately he's there to play as a quarterback. Um, I think a lot of people overlook his contributions to the GB women's side um, that finished second, which I think if you watch uh, back any of their games, you'll kind of see 
uh, to previous teams, the development in a lot of those players. And I do think he has a large, large part to play in that. So you can't have a QB without a centre. Who have you got as your centre for this team? Um, I've got, I'm going to give a quick little mention for my guy down in Cardiff, which is Chris Jones. Um, often the one that is constantly picked on, but he definitely brings it upon himself. So that's fine. Um, he's our favourite Midlander. We only have one. Uh, but no, he, he's a really, really good player. But ultimately for his absolutely fantastic banter, which you'll be complimented by someone a little bit later on. Uh, I'll take Callum Woods, straight out of Grangemouth. Um, I think he might be the best offensive player in Britain, if I'm honest. So to kind of leave him out is probably a criminal offence at this point. I mean, we, we've talked about this one on a few previous episodes where the centre, it used to be the the last player to get picked sort of thing. But now the centre has come, become a key part. Is is Callum going to be like one of the... Would you say the same thing about Callum? Um, I think if you watch back uh, any sort of GB film from uh, the most recent Euros in Israel, I think you very, very quickly realise that Callum wasn't the sort of the old school centre mould, which was, I guess, seen as a bit more uh, two yard shoots either side of a um, quick five and outs. Maybe that's about it. Like I could run every route on a route tree. Um, was often the deep threat and the check down, um, and I think that's invaluable. Um, has very very uh, good speed. Uh, very overlooked from a centre position is you get someone as quick as Callum uh, right down the middle of the field and all of a sudden you're in a bit of trouble. It opens up the field a lot. Um, but yeah, they, they, he doesn't have a, any sort of glaring weakness at all. Unbelievably consistent hands, which you expect at the level he can play at. Uh, incredibly evasive, can really get down uh, low while still running at a very, very good speed. So... Yeah, Callum, uh, fantastic off the field too. Um, might take you a day or two to understand him if you've never met him. Uh, but but though he's fantastic. Love being around Callum. So who's the the first of your two receivers? Um, I think I'm gonna have to take um, my guy Costas Costas Kras as. Uh, commentator from uh, Big Ball Final loved to roll his eyes off. Um, I think I, ju- I spend so much time with him anyway that it's kind of hard to uh, overlook him. Um, I do think he's an underrated receiver in, in Britain in general. So I'm not purely just trying to pick this out of pure talent, but I do think he's definitely up there. Um, I think if you watch it again, watch the tape on, against the smoke in the final... Um, I think you'd quickly realise the opposition against him was, I guess, viewed as, as sort of better than him. And he had a fan, phenomenal game, ended up winning MVP in a final. Um, hasn't really been playing that long. Um, I, I think I lost kind of track, I guess, of the amount of car journeys we've been on, played in. Unbelievable sort of work ethic um, and just an overall sort of student of the game. And I think he has sort of all the makeup of a very, very good receiver. There's, again, the only... He's, he's still sort of new to the sport, I guess. Um, 
and hasn't played sort of that much flag, I guess. But in my mind, phenomenal. And who have you got on the other side of the field? Um, it's a big toss-up between Steve Mongi, uh, who plays for the Button Hookers. Uh, I, I've been on the record before. I've t- I'll tell anyone he's the best route runner in all of Britain. Uh, mark it down. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, and he's also incredibly handsome and a great roommate, which is a big plus on on these sort of trips. Uh, or do I go with the hilariously stupid uh, Julian Holbert and White? Uh, both of them again, amazing, amazing people, uh, and off the field. Both very funny. Jules uh, is countless laughs. Uh, you'll end up belly laughing before you even see him, kind of thing. Um, but I think I think I will. I will. I will go for Jules. He's going to love this. Uh, I will go for him. But he's just an incredible person. Um, really, really good player. Everyone sort of knows about that. I don't think anyone needs to speak twice about Jules. Um, but I think off the field, I think once you get to know him and, and his humour, it's just fantastic. Uh, you, there's never a dull moment around him. Uh, and the same sort of goes for Steve, to be honest. Uh, but I, I wouldn't want a room with Jules. Uh, to, he's hard work, but a brilliant teammate. So you know you've got your one final offensive uh, player here. In what sort of position are you going to use your, your extra receiver? Um, I think with what we go, we can just hear it out where we play, right? Uh, we've got the gunslinger, we've got deep threats, we've got hands, we've got moves. So it's only right to check in, Steve, because uh, I've just left him on a cliffhanger. Told him I'm going to snub him in favour of Jules, but no, I'm giving it to Steve. Uh, now we've got routes in there. The guy's always open. Just put it, put it in his hands. Uh I love Steve. Taught me a ton of things. I saw about uh, maturity at times, um, when to pick your moments in in games. Um, incredibly clutch player as well. Um, just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, Steve's my guy. Steve will probably I can operate anywhere on the pitch. So, uh, and I guess all three of those receivers could. So there's your offense. Before we move on to your defense. Let's go back to the start of your, your career in football. Uh, where did you find flag football and how did you get involved in it? Um, so I first got involved, I was 15. I was walking my dog um, in the local area and I was it was an early Sunday and we'd kind of gone a little bit further away than what we used to do. Um, and I literally just saw some people throwing the ball around um, was always sort of semi-interested before that um, because of ice hockey. Um, so I knew the sport a little bit, but I didn't really know anything about flag. Just just saw American footballs flying around and thought, looks like good fun. So I've done a couple of little circles, just kind of sneak watching on uh, this little team playing, which was uh, South Wales Warriors at the time. And um, in the end, uh, one of the players... Uh, from the team is uh, Dan Beswick for the old-timers. They'll definitely know him. He's been around for years and years. Um, he just came over. He loved my dog more than anything. Uh, said, do you want to come and play? There I was next Sunday. 
throwing balls around, trying to catch balls. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, unique. I just kind of uh, fell into it. I mean, it's always different. Like You get different ways. Some people come from a kitty background. Some people are friends and family that sort of say, why don't you come along? And then there's you dog walking and happen to come across it. It's not a bad little story for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I never was really aware of flag football. I um, was always trying to play contact football growing up, um, but obviously knew there's sort of the age restriction uh, for myself. There's no youth team um, in South Wales, which is uh, a bit of a killer at the time. So it was kind of cool. I mean, I wasn't meant to be playing, I don't think, until I was 16, but... They let me jump straight in at the time. This was when Baffer and everything wasn't really a big thing. Uh, don't don't know if you can get away with it now. Um, but yeah, just, I was 15, just fell, fell upon it. It's just potluck. So now we'll go on to your defence. A- any particular formation you're going to be running or have you just got everybody can play everywhere? Um, I think with the guys... That we've got, I think anyone can play anywhere. So who have you got first on your list then? Um, we'll start with a blitzer. Um, I'm going to take my current blitzer, which is Chad Stevens. Um, very just clever guy. He's a teacher by day. Um, the people of, who have played him will definitely know about him. He's about six foot four, something stupid. Extremely long limbs um, and just a pain. Uh, for every QB um, and I think training against him um, any sort of time kind of gives you a problem it takes away a large spot of that field which is just straight over the top of a blitzer you can no longer throw down the middle unless you're taking sort of 10 yard deep snaps to really get a wind up and get it over him um, he's a really really good blitzer uh, definitely an underrated player um, I don't often think blitzers get enough love. I think that's more of a trend that's started to come in now. But um, yeah, I definitely think he's right up there with some of the best in Britain. Um, I, I think he could probably or should probably get the opportunity to show himself at a better level than just playing for us, to be honest, because I, I do really think he's a, a great, great blitzer. Um we did have a blitzer who I, I probably would have said uh, on a different day, um, which is Clovis Kamaha. Um, Nathan Coles will, will attest to his ability. Um, phenomenal player, played basketball and grew up with him. And uh, he was probably about six foot five and might have been the fastest player I've ever played with, I'd say. Um, unbelievable get off. His first step is just so, so quick. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people kind of come to realise who he was uh, when we played, I'm going to say it's about 2015, maybe 14, we played uh, the playoffs up in Northampton and he was a problem. Um, West Essex showboats were unbeaten that year. We went we had to play them in a, I'm going to say, a, a sort of quarterfinal maybe thing of a, of a playoff game. Um, and we ended up routing them. We put something like 50-plus on them and conceded once, which was the first play of the game. So he he's a problem, but Chad's my guy, uh, even now. Uh, yeah, good guy. Good at Mario Kart, too. Well, yeah, that's that's the, the key point in this one. 
I mean, if we're going to get 10 players, I, I feel like they've all got to be good at Mario Kart because that's the perfect party size. So, again, we've mentioned this one on previous ones. The Blitzer used to be the, the centre of, 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 of the defensive world. You know, they were just sort of like the new guys, stick them sent, like seven yards back, just run forward. And obviously you've been playing flag for a while and you, you've seen that evolve. Do you, do you agree that the, the Blitzer is a now one of the key elements of the, the defensive formations? Yeah, I think people have started to realise it. And I think in part is because the quality of play from quarterbacks has generally trended upwards. Um, and so when one position becomes a problem, you need to find a solution. And the solution is to essentially put uh, athletes at um, blitzer because that's the only way you can really uh, sort of slow a QB down um, but yeah I, I do agree I think I, I get the sentiment because you get a new guy oh go on mate yeah just run seven yards yeah, yeah just try and grab his flags if you can but I, I think if you watch the very good teams in Europe you'll quickly realise all of their blitzers tend to be tall um, probably an average speed, I'd say, is because they're just taking up space. Ultimately, that throwing lane is just such a big takeaway. Um, we we at Great Britain have had a bit of trouble with it before, um, just tall blitzers. They, they take away a lot of space, and if a defence knows how to play behind that blitzer, uh, i.e. protecting the lanes that can actually be thrown, um, it really did condense the field as a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, no, generally do agree. Uh, and it's good to see that p- people don't just think blitzers can run seven yards and that's it. So putting you at the quarterback position in the, in this scenario, what would be the worst thing to come against? Would it be the, the fast and agile blitzers or would it be more of the, the slow but tall, you know, you can't see over them sort of thing? So which which one would be the worst one in your mind? Um, I think it definitely differs. Um, a lot of it, I say, can be quite dependent on what's behind the blitzer. Um, if you have confident DBs um, behind the blitzer, then absolutely take the tall guy because you're just giving them less space to work with. Uh, I can see the pluses and minus for both of them. I think if you do have a very fast blitzer, maybe just lacks in height. Um, I think that's fine because you're going to end up just minimising the time that you can get the ball out. Um, but you've got to, you, you kind of still defending the entire field at that point. I think as a quarterback, the nightmare is when you combine both. Um, if you get someone who even is just a little above average in sort of game speed, um, and then you get the height impact come into play is that's that's when you have problems um i can't really reference on what i wouldn't or would want to face to be honest um i've seen both blitzes be very very effective i've seen people like henry blitz from london smoke um and then i've seen people like my guy chad blitz uh, and both can be equally devastating um i guess it it does play a part on who you're playing and who you're playing with yeah i mean 
obviously if, if you've played five for a while you, you've i mean i grew up in that whole the blitzer is the new guy and it's not really going to take too much out to you and now you look at the, the blitzers you got now and you've got somebody and I, I swear that it, I'm, it will be every single time. It's David Radford from the North Ants Titans that I've played against. And I swear he gets there about the same time as a snap. And it's it's horrible to play against as a quarterback. Yeah, I think you do see um, at different levels where QBs just take deeper snaps. Um, but obviously that this is the sort of solution where... They'll present you a big problem at Blitz. Uh, the solution is to maybe get deeper, um, taking a snap, but at the same time, you've then got to have the arm power to compensate for those extra yards. So, all, all in all, it is problematic. There's definitely ways around uh, fast blitzers. Um, I, I myself, I, I've hated before playing against Callum Young up in Scotland. Because I think he, not only is he probably got one of the best change of directions in all of Britain, um, very, very intelligent player. And I really, I, I put like a lot of emphasis on intelligence in flag. Um, I think it's a big, big part of the game and is often overlooked. Um, I think a lot of teams that I, I guess can say they're contenders every year and never really get over the line. Um, can probably attribute with some sort of uh, intellectual deficiencies uh, within their team. Maybe they need to develop um, their skills a, a little bit more. Um, but just learning the game um, and how, how different ways you can play it, uh, I think it plays a big part of it. But Callum's got sort of an elite sort of uh, mind for a blitzer. So we'll move on to your next defensive player. Who have you got? Uh, is my GB counterpart, Jamie Archibald. Um, just moved teams as well. So still playing premiership ball, which uh, is definitely important. Uh, I love Jamie. Um, I've played GB now with him for so many years, I think since we both first got into the side. Um, we've always played sort of the same side. We've always been around each other. Um when group chats and stuff together, I, I can talk to Jamie endlessly. Uh, I think he has, a, again, really, really clever person. Uh, I think a lot of these people, you'll quickly realise they're really clever players. And I, I think that that's what makes a lot of these players who they are. Um, really, really sort of dedicated to the sport. You're not going to find too many people out there that... Uh, will help you make a sort of scouting system for flag players. Um, and Jamie's switched on, uh, always has been. He's got a nice little contact career that he had up in Edinburgh. Um, just a really, really nice person. Someone who you'd happily spend the weekend with. Um, absolutely enjoy. I've been, I've been to Lemon Amsterdam and stuff with him too. I had some of the best sort of flag trips uh, in my life with Jamie. He's a really, really good person. He can play football a little bit too. So, yeah, you've got three left. Who have you got in your, your next slot? Uh, I'd take our defensive captain, which is uh, Maka or David McAnally. Um, 
Oh, it's uh, what a fantastic person. Um, really, really insightful person to be around. Can be an absolute uh, comedian and then can be an absolute leader. And he knows when to switch it on, which is just so big. Um, definitely sort of the model player for me. Um, someone who you should really want to sort of play uh, and be like in a sort of really competitive environment always gives his all i've never seen him uh sort of shift blame onto anyone uh, and i think that's a really important attribute uh something he's taught me is just uh incredible sort of accountability uh on every play phenomenal tackler brain coverage um probably one of the most underrated defenders in britain i don't see him ever really hitting up uh, game sports and such but I think if you play against him, you definitely will know his name by the end of the game. Uh, can can play both sides of the ball, and he has done for the Manchester Titans. Um, he's moved back up to Scotland too, so whoever gets Mac has got an absolute gem. How good is it, Mario Kart? Uh, it's all to be revealed, but I mean, I can't get too many good players in because it might make me a bottom five player and that would really devastate my career, to be honest. I mean, that, that's what you need for the uh, for your next away tournament. Well, I say next tournament, whenever you're allowed to go back out again. You know, take the Mario Kart and just like a big Mario Kart tournament. Whoever makes the top 10 goes into your squad for that day. That day, that day. I mean, I'm down for it. Uh, if we can be called the Nintendo Switches or something, then yeah, I'm, I'm in. There you go, it's a sponsorship thing as well. There you go, it'd be all sorted. So you've got two left, who are we going for? Uh, normally, I'd want to have people play both ways, uh, but I won't. And I'm going to pick one player that I've always uh, always loved playing with. i um, played not, not too much with him, but every time I play with him, I always feel like I'm on the same wavelength as uh, Henry Williams out of the London Smoke. Um, he's just twitchy. Uh, might be up there with the fastest players in Britain. Uh, actually, no, not might. He is. Um, very, very clever player. He's sort of always led uh, the London Smoke defence. can play offence too has that sort of game-breaking speed which is just uh on on defense and the way you can play is just so important um i've played against him and never really wanted to throw the ball his way if i can avoid it um and it's purely because he has got incredible acceleration out of cuts so you'll see people break down at five yards and you think, yeah, I've got him open. And Henry can just, he's got that ability to stick a foot in the floor and get straight back up to top speed uh, in two steps. And that's the sort of speed that starts breaking up passes, um, especially when you weigh as little as Henry and you can just fly around the field. Um, Henry's really really good person to be around one of the kindest people uh i don't know anyone can hate henry um other than hating him for breaking up all your passes and then we've got one last player for your starting defense who's going to make that final slot 
Oh, competition. Um, primarily because I didn't put him in on offense, uh, and he's one of the, one of my uh, closest friends is Tim Thomas. Um, probably not too well known anymore on the current sort of flag scene, but probably a top three flag flag player on any given day. Um, he could turn up to a game day and sort of just break the game day. He's played uh, in German Football League, uh, which is paid contact league uh, out in Germany. Um, been there for a number of years, played uh, overseas for three, four years now. Um, grew up playing flag um, for until probably until uni. Um, he's six foot three, incredible hands, um, can probably pull off some of the best spectacular catches you'll ever see. Um, got one of the best one hand catches you'll you'll ever sort of come across. Um, I just think the raw talent of someone like Tim on any given team uh, is huge. Uh, he's a two way player. Can play offense, can play defense. Uh, we've had him play safety, corner, blitz. He can kind of just do it all, all around, just pure athlete. Uh, and off the field, uh, again, been on many an adventure with Tim <laughs> and uh, enjoy every sort of moment with him. So I think overall, when you sort of have a look at the entire team, you've kind of got just a phenomenal makeup of players uh, in terms of what you'll get off the field, uh, which is just brilliant. And then you've got your final play, your substitute. Who's going to be sitting on the bench for you? <laughs> oh, God, I kind of feel bad to to let someone sit on the bench um, because just the, the pure sort of talent on display. Um uh, there's an inclination to have a two-way player, but I... <laughs> where to go, where to go? I think uh, a fantastic player anyway, but I think I'll take... Kevin Woods, because uh, there's never a dull moment with Kevin. Um, it's Callum Woods' brother, uh, plays in Grangemouth, phenomenal player, um, could easily break into this squad on pure merit alone. Um, but easily one of my favourite people off the field to just to hang around with, uh, up there with Nathan Coles for just great personalities uh, and fantastic players, the pair of them. Um, can talk to either of those for such a long time and uh, just sort of end up in tears after after minutes with the pair of them. Um, there's, there's so many people that you could pick. Uh, again, people like Jeff Bond, Ewan Norman. They're just fantastic people to be around. Uh, great, great energy, great trainers. Uh, I could pick a flurry of people that I enjoy playing with. Uh, and like I said at the start, uh, I think having a general enjoyment with these people is such a big factor. Um, one of the better trips I've ever been on was um, to Pink Ball 
And till this day, I think that was three years ago, maybe now. Um, till this day, we still talk in that same group chat. Um, and it's like a sort of a friendship that can't be broken. And with that team, I'd do it all over again if I could. Uh, it's one of the best trips I've ever been on, that's for sure. So we have your ultimate team. But see, so with, with your, I mean, your, your current situation in Wales is not the best with lockdown. But once this is all finished off and lockdown is released, what's the plans for your for your next year in flag football? Um, I mean, same, same as any year. Uh, firstly, have fun. Um, play as much as I can. It uh, doesn't matter where, who, how. Um, I'm always trying to play games. Um, the plan was to play this year, play with Hurricanes all year. Um, obviously, we have to defend a national championship, uh, which is always a tough ask. And then to, after that, go play OFL. I always play OFL with Jordan Mille and Nathan Coles uh, for the Gunslingers. Really, really good fun. Um, then whatever sort of uh, Great Britain trips are involved, uh, we had Champions Bowl lined up uh, this year, so that's going to next year. So that's one, one sort of trip uh, in the books for us as a team. Um, hopefully it'll be over in Spain still, uh, some nice warm weather. Um, but to be honest, I the next year is just so unknown that it does make it a little bit hard to plan. Um, ultimately, play with Cardiff, play wherever I can. Um, if, if Cardiff or a team that I'm not sort of already playing with have a tournament uh, and I can be there, I'm always there. So your, your question from Nick, I mean, you've listened to the, to the question. It was a fairly big question for you. What is the, the zenith for flag and how do we reach this peak? So what, what in your mind is for the, the the ultimate goals for flag football in the UK? Uh, I, I do. It's a very good question for Mick. Uh, and it's definitely the sort of question I would have expected from someone like him, a very clever person. And that, I think Mick has a general... Uh, desire to see the game grow as a person who's been around it for decades now. Um, I think it generally depends on who can control um, the development of the game. Ultimately, I think there's two ways it can go. Um, it can try maybe and go down the sort of club, sort of uh, semi-professional looking route. I don't think flag will ever be semi-professional because um well at least not in my lifetime um i just don't think it will have that pull for such a long time um i think it getting to an olympic sport would be the catalyst of maybe some further development but until that it is really tough to say um, for myself, uh, I think, I mean, based on that previous uh, few sentences uh, about me playing wherever, um, I'm pretty casual when I play flag. I'll 
if someone said uh, meet me down in the fields at seven and we've got a game I'm there I'm, I'm I kind of play for the fun and the pure enjoyment out of it um and less so probably as a sporting club um I love my my team up in Cardiff but I'll play for any team because ultimately playing the sport's the biggest thing for me um I think if I if I had if I was the person who I guess decided some sort of strategy, uh, I'd go straight into it and develop everything possible, um, uh, sort of youth kids level. That's the ultimate sustainable goal. Um, if you can keep uh, children coming through the sport at a younger age, it doesn't have to be too young, but just get them playing. Um, they tend to develop friends uh, within the team, uh, long-lasting friends uh, for, for years. And they're the sort of teams that then stay and carry on for years. I'm pretty sure that's how the Cougars got uh, off, off, the, off the ground, if you like. And, but I can also, again, reason with the more casual teams. So the button hookers are a bunch of guys that are just really good friends uh, and play... A very high level. Uh, I think there's merits to both sides uh, and and how they go. But for me and sort of Britain and a national program uh, and sort of as one sport, I'd like to see in Britain more focus on children, schools, um, and really push that. I think that's how you keep the sport really sustainable. Um, at that point, I think you start to see more clubs being formed. Once these, it does take a long time, but once these children get through to an adult age, um, it can only hopefully mean more exposure, uh, sort of getting into school. So once they get through to an adult age, I think you're looking at children want to have their own teams, play with their own friends. Um, and I think ultimately, for me, the goal that I do think is realistic is to have sort of two or three teams in every sort of existing city or town uh, that has one. Uh, obviously, that's a, a very broad statement because London can field 15, 20 and probably have his own league. Um, but for a city like Cardiff, um, your Bristols, so forth, I think you can definitely get a good three or so teams out of each one because... Um, the underlying factor is the flag doesn't actually require a lot of people or a lot of money uh, to kickstart anything. Um, and I think once you can, you might get 50 guys in one city that want to play the sport, um, having three teams then makes it very feasible. Um, but there's also the casual route and, and they're both different, both have their perks um, but for me, it's always all about the youth. Uh, I'd love to have a youth team down in Cardiff started. Is that, is that your plan for next year now? Setting up the, the, the Cardiff youth system? Um, it's something we'd all really like to do is finding, I mean, at the, at the moment, it's going to be even tougher to really kickstart. But it's finding the... Uh, I guess the the right people. I think the important thing is to have someone who has a desire to do it, someone who has a bit of a passion to help children uh, get involved in the sport. I think if you do it half-heartedly, it only drives sort of people away. 
so it is tough to find the right person who who can do it. Um, but also at the same time, I feel like the youth game is probably a good 15 years behind the men's game right now. Um, there's such a lack of quality coaching and uh, number of teams that it makes it quite a hard sell to parents right now if I was to have a team down here we'd be traveling hours upon hours to go and play teams and whilst uh, me and you would happily do that as parents it's kind of a hard sell to say oh look do you want to drive yourself and uh, maybe three other children to um it could be a Coventry or Marlow or God knows where. Uh, none of this within an hour and a half, two hours of us. So it is it's tough at the moment to really push it. And ultimately, we'd need probably uh, maybe the Gwent Gators or so on to uh, start a team. Um, that, that would be really beneficial to really kickstart it and maybe develop as a smaller community before uh, really outreaching into the league purely because it'll just be a bit easier. So you're thinking, well, I don't know if you're going back a while, there, there was like a lot of the, the school teams started to appear. Do you think if we increase the school participation, that would help out? Uh, I don't think it'd have a negative effect. Um, I don't know if you could uh, maybe quantify the actual impact of going back into schools. I don't. Overall, I think any sort of um, involvement for children is a good involvement. So going into schools, I think, is great. It's just, again, tough to to do um, on a consistent basis without the sort of funding behind it. Uh, you've got to have someone that can either go in in the daytime or as um, an after-school activity. And I think that is tough there's not a lot of people who can either get off of work uh midday and go into a school at some point or there's not a lot that can always make after school uh, at four o'clock so whilst there might be people who are willing to do it ultimately finding the sort of funding to maybe make that happen for a person is definitely a tough ask So now, now's your chance to post the, the the question to the next guest. Again, I'm not too sure who this one will be, so I can't give you any narrowing it down. So what would your question for the next guest? If uh, so, my sort of question is uh, revolved around being an Olympic sport in the next sort of decade. Um, how as an individual, do you think the sport can develop or should develop, uh, it, obviously entirely a, a, an opinion of someone, to become an Olympic standard sport? Is there something we need to do um, with infrastructure of teams and the leagues, uh, governing bodies to improve it? Or is there something you would do uh within clubs and sort of development of skills in whatever way that you think uh, would make sort of Great Britain a great sort of uh, country for the Olympics? 
So as always, I'm, I'm going to throw the question straight back at you. What, what would your answer be? Um, I think you've got to have always always have the right people, the right coaching staff, um, and so forth. Um, the behind the scenes is so important to a lot of teams, um, and the, the you know it goes down to back down to like physios. We're so lucky at GB to have people like Steph uh, and Ellie at women's. Uh, they're both phenomenal physios. Uh, out in Israel, they're both putting in twelve plus hours a day of uh, just intense work with players. Um, so they're both again countless thanks to them uh, for keeping everyone going. Um, but I think it is about establishing a professional vibe to uh, players. Ultimately, you need to act it and treat it as a sort of profession um, to really develop it. I think once you have those people and they really do apply themselves, I think that's how we'll start to push on as a group of players. Um and I, th- I don't ever really blame players. I don't think players are ever the problem in this sort of scenario. Uh, the players will always be there, and the players that want to be great will be great. Um, from a governing body, it's, I think it's just about supporting uh, that programme. I think once you get the full support from um, BAFA um, and sort of the peers uh, of the league that really allow people to sort of grow. Uh, so what I'm saying is that there needs to be an allocation of funds to the national sides um, that can really help and make an impact all year round. Now, I don't personally, I would never want this money to ever come from fellow players. I don't believe that um, your registration should pay for someone else's uh, straight benefit per se. I don't think that what what I don't mean is that I don't want uh, a team in say let's say we had a Division Two, which have only just started. All of their registration money should not be input at the national team. That's totally incorrect. The problem I think lies is that outside of that registration money, there isn't really a revenue stream for the governing body, and I think they've realised that. Um, with their new CEO, Pete. Uh, and I think they're sort of trying to take the right right route in developing the sport. And I've seen a lot of sort of backlash against um, sort of club constitutions and so forth. But I think it's about developing the sport still. And I think it's so easy to overlook and be like, oh, why do we need this? Why do we be, need that? It's for one year, and I, I get it, it's at short notice. But I think having the the sort of infrastructure of every club, having those sort of documents, safeguarding, it does add to the value of uh, sort of BAFA. And overall, we're all playing the league. So in my opinion, we should try and support it, um, you know, taking these small things to help. Um, I think... From an outsider looking in, as an investor to to sort of baffer, then you maybe look at uh, flag and contact teams that have all these provisions in place, and it does become a more attractive sport to be around. Um, and ultimately, I think the way 
the Bafa should be looking to sort of grow uh, in that sense is they need pure sort of investment and sponsorship. Uh, Marcus, you probably know back in sort of 80s and 90s, they had Coca-Cola as a sponsor and so forth. Um, and I think that's a massive, massive play in any sort of these leagues. Any any league that has uh, revenue from just sponsorship is, is good, in my opinion. I mean, I definitely agree with the sponsorship. I'm a little bit hurt by the age bit then. I'm I know in an age, I know you're just a knowledgeable person, so I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I was only born in 85. You played the 90s, but all good. Oh, yeah, I think I was just around for that bit. I think I started playing in 97, so I'll just scrape into your, into your little, little bit there. But no, def, definitely a sponsorship thing, but it's it's always that catch train too, but if, you know, you need the sponsor to put the money in to help you progress the sport, but they need you to progress the sport for them to be willing to put the money in. And it's it's finding the, the smaller companies maybe to start with that are willing to to put that like that initial payment in to say right now let's see if you can take the next step i mean if you want to try and get hold of nintendo and get the the baffer sponsored by them and you can have, you can have your nintendo switch team as well then if you're right i mean if we're getting nintendo to sponsor us to sponsor uh, my ultimate team we're, we're becoming the switches but um yeah i i, I obviously I, the, as you said, uh, it's finding someone that's willing to put money in before seeing a return. And, and ultimately, BAFA probably doesn't provide right now enough value to any sort of investor. Um, small, big, big or small, there's no real return right now. Um, and it's going to take probably still probably another decade of plugging away uh, with these sort of lackluster sort of admin tools to really push on the league um there's not much available to uh the outside world in terms of maybe media uh, that teams don't do themselves uh, e- even the website was a sham for years um and it's getting those sort of simple things right which could potentially be the bigger factors down the line so um yeah, it is. It is tough, and I guess uh, Pete's employed for a reason. He's got a vision, um, and I, I, you know, for the sport's sake, I, I'm supporting him. Anyone that wants to make good contributions to any league, uh, I'm totally on board with. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be that long term prospect thing of, of finding the sponsor and getting somebody in. But do you think that the with the World Games coming up in, let me just double check Wikipedia as my sourceable knowledge, you've got the World Games in 2022. We'll be hosting flag football. Do you think that's going to be a big advantage for for flag football? Or do you think, I mean, the idea, if, in my mind, the, 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 the good and bad thing is you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of new, new teams who see the, flag, the, the World Games maybe see flag football on there and think that's great. I'm going to get some teams put together, but are you going to find a lot of teams that drop, like come in and then disappear after a year? Or do you think it's going to be a big increase for the, for the, for the sport? The world games in 2022. 
Yes, it's hosted in Birmingham, Alabama, as I was very disappointed to find <laughs> out afterwards. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's very... I don't think it's a well-known enough event. Um, you know, obviously, it's below the Olympics, uh, and that's the sort of the granddaddy of it all. Um, I, I'm not too, not too sure. I think... Some people might be interested, might see that, might be a goal of theirs to play at uh, a competition like that. Um, it's tough. It is, it is a t- good question. Um, I don't think I, I'd have the answer, at least. Um, I know if I was uh, a com- just a competitive player in a different sport and I saw the opportunity come up to potentially get involved, uh, I'd be all over it. Um, again, it's... it's um, not, I guess, uh, from a sort of tournament and stature sort of point of view, it's not too different from a uh, Euros or a World Championship. So I'm not too sure uh, what sort of value it adds. Um believed it could be a sort of trial of how it could work as an Olympic sport. Um, but that's a uh, very speculative to be honest which i'm looking at it there i think eight sports have gone from world games to olympics so you never know flag football could be the next one on that list yeah it would be fitting to uh hopefully get them uh flag football into the olympics in la which is uh when's that it's not 20 oh no that's 2028 i think they might have missed the boat on that one um but, I mean, any sort of scope to get it in is, is a good scope. So we have your team picked. We have your, your question for the next person. Joe, once again, thank you for joining me. I know we've had a, a few booking in for you and then something's come up each time, but we finally managed to get you on the show. <laughs> no, it's been great. Thank you for having me. So hopefully if you've enjoyed that one, if you we are looking for more guests, if you if you want to to pick out your ultimate teammates or your ultimate Mario Kart tournament, either one we'll be happy to talk about right now. So once again, Joe, thank you for joining us and we will see you hopefully on the field soon. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.